Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I'm here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How's it hanging? It's good. It's the holidays. We are in it. It We are deep into the holidays. Yes, Um, we really are. And we're going to do a bunch of listener questions today. Um, We got a whole bunch on our Instagram as Instagram comments this week. We did this last year. It's just a really fun way, I think, to go through some of the parenting challenges that come up during the holidays. Um, I don't know that you and I are going to solve all these problems, but if anything, it's helpful, I think, for moms to hear that other moms, we're all going through the same stuff. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. During the holidays. And we're Um, all going a little crazy. So (laughs) we're all going a little crazy. Um, And we're going to move kind of quickly. I took more. I'm I'm putting more questions on our outline than we typically take. But there are quite a few on there, Sarah. There are. You know how easily I get overwhelmed by information. I know. Just don't look. Just turn away. (laughs) Avert your eyes. I'll turn away. (laughs) Avert your eyes from the outline, Megan. Um, No, because what I noticed is they really all fall under similar themes. And we'll get into that. But um, so I think we're going to be able to tackle them all. We're going to move fast. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. 
Listeners head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay, so let's get into these listener holiday questions. Again, they all came from Instagram. Um, and as I was going through them, they really sort of, there's some, some hot themes that come up during the holidays. And so I kind of grouped them that way and we'll go kind of quick. But the first theme that arose is parents of little ones and dealing with uh, shaken up schedules and routines mm. during the holidays. <laughs> so I'm going to read Liz's question. And then as we talk, I'll probably bring in some other listener questions, but they were all around this theme. So Liz asks, how do you balance all the celebrations with enough sleep and quiet time for toddlers and preschoolers? Her daughter's three. She says, I know the schedules will be off, but how much do we push the family for an earlier dinner and present opening on Christmas Eve to preserve sleep and going to bed on time? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And so I actually love that she's asking specifically about Christmas. Eve because that is it's like you think about it as this night oh my gosh everyone's staying up and getting so excited but then when you actually have like a two and a four-year-old you're like I I don't want them to be awake like and running around in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve so it's a good question yeah and I and she it sounds like Liz's um daughter is the only kid in the entire family which makes it tough like I was the first um I want to say we were the first son in either. Oh, no, my sister had kids before I did, but I still was one among the first to yeah. have kids. And on John's side, definitely. And that made it really tough because everyone was out of that mode. Like his yeah. parents were out of that mode. Um, his brother and sister weren't in that mode yet. And it does make it tough to kind of like set those boundaries. Yeah. And um, and know like yeah. when when do you want to put your foot down and say, you know what, we're not going to come over for a seven o'clock dinner on Christmas Eve. Um, that's yes. hard with family. Here's one thing I will offer, and it's it sort of falls under the like the pick your battles thing. Um, I think kids we've talked a lot about how kids often do better than you think. So if you have a kid who's really used to their schedule, if you mess with that schedule once or twice, they probably will do better than you think. Actually, often it's I think often it's the mom who is like afraid of poking (laughs) the bear, afraid of messing with a good system. However, we all know that if kids 
schedules are messed with for like five days straight, every nap and every bedtime, nobody's going to be happy. Right. So I think when you look at like when you look at we're coming up on Christmas week, when you look at what your commitments are, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after I would say, I think you can pick one or two times to say, to maybe put your foot down and say, you know, our family needs an early night in that night, or our daughter's really going to need a nap that day. Um, and sort of maybe stagger it a little bit. Does that make sense? So then you're, then you're meeting people halfway and you know, if you have a really late night on Christmas Eve, you might need to keep it quiet Christmas day and make sure she gets a nap. I I mean, it sounds kind of simple, but I guess it doesn't have to be all one or all the other. Is That's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, if it was really, truly just Christmas Eve, and you know that I was probably more laid back about this than a lot of moms, but if we're really just looking at one night, I think it's okay to let that go. I don't think you have to worry that things are going to completely fall apart. Um, you know your kid best, so maybe right. you're, maybe you're, I'm wrong and your kid is the one who will absolutely melt down if they are kept up too late or whatever. Um, I think if you're talking like one day, there are ways to kind of compensate on either side for that. Yeah. And but you still get to like you still get to push. Um, maybe you just don't have to push quite as hard as you think you do, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I also think so this is going to transition into the next question, which was similar. And it came from Emily and she has a four month old and a two year old. And she was asking similar questions, but she was also saying, um, like, how do you know what to what to opt into and what to opt out on to keep the kids on their schedule? And my answer is going to be what makes mama happy, basically, right. like in terms of keeping kids up late on Christmas Eve, if the kids are happy and the adults are happy. And I know there are lots of families where little babies and toddlers and everybody's running around late at night. And if everybody's happy, you don't have, that's not a problem to solve. But when it when it starts to wear and tear on mom's ability to enjoy family time, have a glass of wine. I know like when I was sticking, when I was sticking hardcore to kids schedules, it was usually for my mental health, not because I thought my kids were going to suffer without it. So to Emily's question, how did you pick and choose what to do? And I think she's also talking about parties and get togethers and, and, um, you know, fun things, going to see Santa, all those things. You can't do everything. We've talked about that a million times. Um, so I think you get to be a little bit selfish and know that the kids will be okay They'll be flexible enough with their schedule, but you might you might reach a point where you feel like you need a little bit of normalcy. And so I don't know. Is that selfish of me? No. Why would that be selfish of you? My <laughs> my thing was skip all of it. That was yeah. the advice I was going to give. <laughs> Just skip it all. Just call in sick. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that there are things, you know, especially if you're um, spending a lot of time with little kids, the holiday season can actually seem really welcome because you want to get out and see people you haven't seen for a while. And maybe there are holiday parties to go to. And that can be really fun and exciting. Um, and when you're in that season of life, but then you, you kind of, you have to kind of balance that out with the stress that it can cause to even go. I would also say that if we're talking about parties and things outside of the house, you, it sounds like, you know, Emily mentions in another comment, um, wearing her baby. So Mm -hmm. that might be the kind of thing you just go to with the baby. Yeah. Leave the two year old with the sitter. That's a great Um, idea. I don't think taking a two-year-old almost anywhere is can qualify as fun. That's not holiday spirit. Leave the two-year-old at home. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends what it is. Are we talking like right. a family party? Right. Are we talking like a party that kids are invited to, but it's not really, you know, we all know right. what that kind of party looks like. Like, yeah, kids can come, but it's not really for the kids. Yeah. To me, that's the kind of thing where you might want to judiciously use a grandma, grandpa, yeah. you know, or the babysitter next door or whatever. But, you know, if you want to bring the baby, maybe that's not going to be such a big deal. I just like, you know how we've talked about before, like, I never think there's option A and B. There's always right. a CD and E. And yeah. So maybe think about it. Maybe you just go for a little bit. Maybe you go and see how it goes. And I- Yes. Leave if things start to fall apart. Just having like an out, you know. 
I totally agree. I also think people are relatively understanding and maybe you have the relatives who aren't and that's a bummer. But I think people are relatively understanding, even if they don't have young kids, that, you know, family, every family is different and you you do get to set those priorities priorities like we've said a million times like you get to decide and people aren't going to hate you they they really do understand i have found when i've said you know we're going to come but we're going to leave a little bit early or whatever the accommodations are i think people in general understand everybody's yeah. everybody's doing their best during the holidays and everybody's facing stressors of some kind whether it's little kids or health issues or just stress in general. So I think people are probably more forgiving than you think. Um, and going with your own, what you want to really be a part of and opt out of, I think is a good guide. Um, I would agree. Emily also asked about germs, which I think is good to touch on really quickly. And that kind of has to do with going to all these parties. Did Do you remember, I mean, you had a lot of winter babies and I know you wore a lot of your babies. Do you remember yeah. that feeling of like not wanting people to touch your baby during the holidays? Oh, this is where I have to admit that I loved it when people held my baby. Oh, really? So like, you're, but so see, okay, that's interesting. But I would I have thought you were a little more germ conscious. You did? I don't no, know. I was really not very okay. germ. I, I didn't have babies that got sick a lot. Yeah. Um. And and also, I will also say the kind of things I was doing when my babies were that age was just a lot of family stuff. Yes. I don't think we went to a lot of big parties with strangers. I probably right. would have felt very differently. It was more like, hey, this is our, you know, Christmas or New Year's party with all of my siblings and maybe some cousins or whatever. Sure, I'll just pass the baby around. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah. it's a little bit different than what Emily's talking about. Yeah, I can see that. And and for sure, my germophobia really much more crops up at like public play places and doctor's right. offices. Yeah, I, those places I, eke me out. Yeah, I don't. I'm the same. I actually don't have big concerns about family gatherings and passing babies around with with regular precautions. If you have a preemie, if you have a baby with, right. you know, health, but I her mean, baby's four months. Yeah. And I would say like when I had a healthy four month old during a holiday season, I don't think it was like a huge stressor for me. So that might be yeah. one where if your baby's healthy and everybody around you is, you know, not kissing the baby on the mouth, then maybe that's one that you can let go a little bit or just, yeah. you know, just. And it's like a muscle too, like that you have to exactly. kind of flex. So, you know, if you're worried about it, and again, we're not talking about preemies and immunocompromised babies or babies who just get sick all of the time. Like I had friends whose whose little kids always were picking up stomach bugs. Yeah. Oh, had I had a kid who was always picking up a stomach bug, I would have probably locked myself in my house yeah. for five years because <laughs> I didn't deal well with those to yeah. begin with. And that would have been like like that PSDD or PTSD where you're like, oh, they're going right. to puke again. Um, <clears throat> I was fortunate that, or like, like chronic ear infections, I was yeah. just fortunate that that wasn't something I had to deal with. So if you also have not yet had to deal with that and you think it's because you're keeping your baby from right. anybody touching them, it right. might just be because right. your baby has that kind of constitution and you can probably, you know, just test it out a little bit, just see yep. how it works to have a couple people hold them. And that's one of the nice things about having a four month old. Really, they're like portable. Yeah. And everybody wants to hold them. It and if you, you a little bit of a break. if you truly are in a big crowd situation, then I think what Emily said is right on, which is wear them, keeping them in the car seat. Yep. Um, and just, they're pretty darn safe in there. I mean, no one's going to yeah. lean over a car seat and sneeze, I hope. So, well, you don't know. <laughs> you never you don't know. know Emily's family. <laughs> I did. I did one time have a five week old in a carrier in that I was wearing in an airport and had a lady reach in to touch, like into my baby Bjorn, like into my personal oh. space to touch my baby. Yeah, that, five weeks creepy. old too. I was like, I, that was like when the, the gut reaction, like 
comes up and I just wanted to kind of like shove her away. Like, what right. are you doing? Like, get your right. hands you out of my thinking? space. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think that kind of, that was the sort of like schedules and routines and life management little theme. And now we got a ton of questions about gift giving and gratitude and Ooh. sharing. Yep. And this is like a big, a big gnarly one. So um, maybe let's just talk general. The The basic idea was how do you teach gratitude? Um, and we've actually done a whole episode about this, but specifically, like, let's say we're talking about Christmas morning. Kids are getting a lot and also sharing. So Jennifer wrote in with a three and a one year old and is wondering about teaching sharing when kids are getting their own gifts. And she asks, should I label everything for both of them? And I would say no. I would yeah, say I actually think that does the opposite. Yeah, exactly. You know, then it's for both of like, then it belongs to both of them. So they're not really sharing it, you know? Exactly. I, yeah. I wouldn't do that. I would, first of all, accept that there are going to be some meltdowns on Christmas right. Day over toys and sharing. And it's no different than any other day. So if you kind of know, know that going in, um, I think it's actually a good experience for even little kids to start to learn of if somebody has a special toy. So here's how toys work in my house. In my house, toys that are in the common area we take turns. In general, they don't specifically belong to one kid. Or even if they do, if it's past that sort of statute of limitations of like, I just got this for my birthday yesterday, it still can be played with by anyone, you know, with with within moderation. Um, right. So I think when someone gets a special gift, if that three-year-old gets a really special gift, I think it's okay to say to the one-year-old, you know, that's that's Owens. He got that and he's really excited to play with it today. He's probably not up for sharing it today. So let me help you find something else to do. I think that's okay yeah. to say to a one-year-old and deal with the tears personally. Now, it's probably, it's not sustainable forever to say you can't touch your brother's things and you can't touch your other brother's things. But I think on Christmas, it's kind of okay to let kids have their special things. And the good news is they're going to get a lot of stuff. So there's right. enough stuff to distract. I don't know. Are you? That's, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. So I did. I was in the situation where I had three and one year old boys twice. Yeah. So I've been in this exact world uh, at Christmas time and at birthdays. Um, I do remember usually getting them at least one thing that was a shared gift only because it was probably something big that applied to them both. Right. Like, you know, I remember one year, like the big gift was one of those like ride in cars. And, you know, technically one kid was like a little too little to be in it. But, you know, yes, it was yes, yes. Yeah. something they could both use. Um, So like you said, there's enough stuff that everyone's pretty happy. I've never found like I never found that to be a big issue. Sometimes. Yes. Like the one year old would spy the three year old opening something he really wanted or vice versa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. And it would cause an issue and then you deal with it and it passes. I don't think that necessarily trying to get around that by labeling things for both kids is necessarily going to really head that off at the pass. Yeah. You know, it's still going to be an issue because even mm -hmm. if there, if there's one thing in two kids, it doesn't matter who it belongs to. If both kids right. want to play with it, it has to be dealt with. Um, one thing, another thing I want to say about that really quick is at that age, I just found, especially with any kid who was like, like toddlery, like mm -hmm. crawling or, or mm -hmm. kind of a small walker or not super um, verbal yet. I just sat on the floor mm -hmm. and was at like eye level. And I found that I could like head things off at the pass yep. a lot quicker. And the more, the more proactive I was, the more or the less time these little dust ups took to get over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the happier I was. And I know that can be really annoying. Like when all you want to do is sit in a chair like a normal adult yeah. and open your presents yeah. Yeah. and drink your coffee or whatever it is you're doing <laughs> and eat your cinnamon roll and not have to like 
be refereeing the entire time. I know how frustrating that is. But honestly, like the more proactive I was in, in situations that were outside of the norm. Yep. So anything that's not normal life, the more I got down. Yeah, and you just, had to be on your A game. I think that totally yes, makes sense. The like, more I hovered, <clears throat> the happier I was and the yes. less stressed I was. So I don't I don't I'm not a hoverer in general. I almost never would have been like that on a regular day. But on Christmas morning, especially Christmas morning with like outside relatives or people you know, that I don't usually share time with like that. Yeah. Absolutely. The more, yep. the more on it and in it, I am the better off everything went. I so. agree. And I'm just going to put an end cap on that, that I really would caution against forcing a three-year-old to share brand new toys with a younger sibling yep. in almost any case. It's not going to, it's going to backfire. It's not going to teach sharing. If you have to solve the problem by separating them for a little bit. So the three-year-old gets time with his new set of Duplos and somebody plays with the one-year-old like that. So you don't want them fighting necessarily. Right. You don't want the three-year-old being unkind or pushing the one-year-old down. But I think, I think expecting a three-year-old to share brand new toys with a one-year-old is kind of a recipe for disaster. I, I think you're right. And also remember, <clears throat> Remember that one-year-olds are kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're jerks. just like a bunch we, of nerds. We do vendors. not like one-year-olds on this show. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> no. they're just, they're so easy to distract. Yeah. They're so easy to like fool. You can trick, I mean, not every one-year-old, of course, there's always exceptions because I can hear people going, not my one-year-old. Yeah. But for the most part, they're not that with it. If you bring them in another room and show them something else or go, oh, what's this? You haven't yeah. opened yet or something yeah. like that. There's so many ways to head them off and give the three-year-old their space, which they deserve. They don't. Yes. And I, and I would spend the time on that distraction rather than spending, spend it expecting the three-year-old to share. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So follow-up question. Jessica has three and six-year-olds and is asking about teaching the kids to show gratitude to relatives. And I feel like you and I have kind of touched on this in different ways. So maybe we can be yeah. quick, but she, she asks, are they just at the age where I can just expect to have to keep repeating, say thank you to grandma for the present? <laughs> Yep. And I think in a way, kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, <laughs> yes. it is just a, a reminder. I, I'm a big fan of pep talks beforehand. And I think I you do this say too. Coaching, coaching, yes, coaching. Like coaching yes. and, and um, you know, coaching them that you might not love everything that you get. You might not get everything on your list um, that everything that we get, we can show our gratitude for. And here's how I also think modeling is great for this. When kids see you, you know, thanking others for their gifts. But that doesn't modeling doesn't always stick on that same day. It's a lot. That's the long tail. So, yeah. and also I, I, I want to, two things. Um, the coaching thing reminds me of when my kids were little and I had a lot of them, they were, you know, like five kids that are under 11 years old and we would go to restaurants and I would like sit in the car and it was like, I was at a pep rally. It was like, <laughs> we're going to go in there and we are going to be the best. We are going to put our napkins in our laps and we are going to be polite. And I feel like the more I kind of just kept making these we are statements, uh -huh. like the more they kind of got into the idea yeah. that we were going to be the best family in the whole restaurant. I even I'm not even ashamed to admit it. I would say things like we're going to be the best family in the whole restaurant. And when we leave, people will talk about how great we were. <laughs> but you know what? Like, yeah. my kids were fantastic in restaurants when they were little. And I think part of it was just going in with that really like over the top can do attitude. So I think that that really can be helpful. The other thing that I will say, though, is relatives often are just looking for the they're just looking for the canned thank you. They yeah. don't expect yeah. real gratitude. Well, that's what I was going to say is we're, it's almost like what we're talking about for Christmas Day thank yous is different than actual gratitude. We once did a whole right. show about cultivating gratitude in kids, and I can link to that. But what we're really talking about is social graces when they receive exactly. them. Exactly. We're and, talking and about niceties. Both, little, are, like both are important. Lords. Yeah, both are important. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say that has worked well for my kids when they were little is get them excited about the giving. Um, and that does help mm. off 
takes some of the focus off of the receiving. And I think it's all related to gratitude. So it may not elicit those exact thank yous, but even if they haven't been part of the shopping or the picking out or the wrapping, if they can be the little elf that helps pass out the presents on Christmas morning, Mm -hmm. or if they get to help somebody else open their present, like another person's present and be the helper. So they get to see everybody's sort of joy and excitement about giving and receiving. And it just in little ways takes the takes the sort of emphasis off of their just getting, getting, getting. So I do, I do want to mention to Jessica that a six-year-old, especially a precocious six-year-old, may be getting to the point where they will challenge you and say things like, well, what if grandma gets me something I don't like? Mm. What if she gets me something I already have? Do I have to? Like, aren't I supposed to be honest? Like kids will try to play that stuff on you sometimes (laughs) and kind of throw back all the things you've said about honesty. Like kind of try to throw that back in your face a little bit. And so at that point, you know, part of the coaching would be you don't have to say you love something right. or you can't wait to play with it. There are other things. There's other ways to say thank you. Yes. Um, you know, and we, we could rattle a whole bunch off. But I mean, ki- especially kids who are smart enough to ask that question are smart enough to take the answer. Yeah. And smart enough <laughs> to know? play the empathy game where you think, right. you know, think how someone would feel if they watched you open the gift and you made a sad face. They might, you right. know, their feelings might be hurt. So uh, yeah, all of that kind of coaching and talking them through. And then like you said, it's like a super hands-on, super in-your-face day of gifts and gratitude. And then you go back to the regular practice of instilling gratitude in our kids over time, which is like a totally bigger picture, different thing. It's not yes. just, doesn't yeah. just all happen. No, and that, that I think this, these are two totally different things. Like to me, I mean, the idea, and I remember um, getting really hung up on the idea that my kids should show gratitude and then going to things where they were being given stuff that wasn't even fun. <laughs> and like if I were a kid, I would not be grateful for. And that was when I really changed my, the kind of the way I approached that. Like I, I looked at it very differently and it was really what I'm, it's, it's just saying what's expected of them. It is the social contract. Yeah. That's all that this is. And yeah. we're not talking like big picture gratitude. That's a different thing. <laughs> and so it, if you can separate those two things in your head, I think you'll just be happier. Yeah. And it is still in the name of helping other people feel, you know, respected and, and not have their feelings hurt. And so it is, it's falls more under etiquette and manners, I think, right. than true gratitude. And it is still an important lesson. So, um, yep. but there's inevitably going to be the time when last Christmas, Violet opened a pair of slippers from the Trolls movie that we thought she would get a kick out of because they had like the big troll hair coming off the slippers. Yeah. Now she was not even four. She was still three. So she gets a little bit of a pass, but she opened them and like kind of stared at them. They were from my parents <laughs> and she threw them across the room oh, <laughs> like without a word. She just like stared at them for a minute and then like chucked them across yeah. the room. We were like, oh, I guess you meant thank you. No, thank you. Anyway, It was just <laughs> my parents. Right. They thought it was funny, but. So there will be those moments. And you got to have a sense of humor about that. Totally. You know, hope that the people around you do, too. (laughs) Um, We also got a question. And this Instagrammer has a handle, but not a first name. But um, she this is a good one. And I think my kids are in this phase of helping them understand they're not going to get everything they asked for. And so you and I you and I have talked about making Santa lists and, you know, kind of the gimmies before. But just to reiterate, I think it's okay all Christmas season to be reminding your kids that they may not get everything they ask for and almost helping them helping them play out what that will look like like oh maybe I know my kids usually get some money from one great grandmother so that might be something I say well you know often you get a little bit of cash so if there if you are disappointed or if you don't get something then you know maybe that's something you save your money for but I think I think dripping that out as a possibility early and often is 
helpful because it's going to happen. And the, yeah. I, I feel like kids get into this six, seven, eight, nine range and Christmas can be more disappointing. Not always, but they're old enough to remember past Christmases and have their big, huge hopes. And there is right. sometimes when it falls flat. And I think a little bit of, I don't know if it's planning or like, you know, coaching again um, to help with that. So I don't right. know. And I'm and even when my kids make their lists, I'm always very careful to say like, you know, put down like six or seven things you would like to get. Keep in mind that mom and dad are going to want to get you some things that aren't on the list because that's more fun for us. Right. Um, anything that you don't get can be moved to your birthday list. Right. And like prioritize. Make sure you put the thing you want the most at the top. Like, yep. And so I feel like there's all this pre-coaching and and some depending on the age, like I have like my kids don't even really make real Christmas lists anymore. They kind of mention stuff to me and yeah. it, in passing. And then you want I want to tell you something really quick um, that's related. This is the first year that I can remember that I have bought no toys for Christmas. Oh my god! Single toy, unless That's you count crazy. a yo-yo. Yeah. Be, wow. Nobody wants toys. Claire wants art supplies and books. Yeah. Amazing and clothes. Your end so, of an era. I it, I didn't even go down the toy aisle <laughs> this year. Like I I skipped it because at Target all the holiday wrap is at the back. Uh huh. And then all of the um like shaving kits and all. Yeah. And the toys are in the middle, and I just walked right past. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Anyway, <laughs> that's like just an aside, but it, I just realized how crazy that is. Um, I do think there's been ages where they did have more of that like pie in the sky, yeah, idea about what a Christmas list was, and oh. or sometimes they get really specific. Reed will get really specific with his Lego sets, and he'll usually put a few on there, so you can usually get one of the ones he wants, but you might not get all. So I do right. think. I do think that's something that starts to need to be addressed. Probably. Oh, she, I just realized she has five kids, nine and under. I just read that. Oh my this, gosh. this commenter okay. who doesn't yeah. leave her first name. But um, <clears throat> I saw the nine and under and that's where my kids are. And I do feel like that seven, eight, nine is where they have really specific wish lists and they do require a little bit of reminding that it might not all be there. But yeah, disappointment yeah. is not a bad thing. It's something that Ooh. we want our kids to learn to live with. So there's so, so much of the good stuff on Christmas morning that if, if a little disappointment management is part of it, that's okay too, I think. And you know what I have to say? Like, I remember having a couple of really disappointing Christmas uh -huh. little, and it wasn't because I didn't get the one thing I wanted or the one thing I thought I wanted the most. It was because none of the stuff I got felt like anything that I wanted. And so mm. there's a big difference. Like, sure. I feel like if you feel like, Someone and some of that was, you know, just my family situation and people buying for me that didn't know me that well, which is yeah. tough. And also I was getting older. I was like a preteen. And yes, that's, that those are the ones I remember, the 11 and 12, where you yeah. just you remember Christmas being so good. And then it happens and you're like, was that oh. as good as I remember? <laughs> like, yeah, that's like it's the, more of the a getting of older delusion, thing. Disillusionment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's hard for me to parse apart what it was when I was a little kid. I know for a fact I didn't get like I remember one Christmas when I asked for every um, strawberry shortcake set that there was. <laughs> so I wanted the purple pie man. I wanted strawberries house. I wanted, I don't even remember what all their names were, but they were like all these strawberry shortcake <laughs> figures. I wanted all of them. And I don't think I got any of them that year. <laughs> and I still had a fantastic Christmas because yeah. I, I got stuff that I did like. Now, was yeah. I disappointed? I'm sure. But in my in my memory, it was still a great holiday. And, so, and those, those yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, those disappointment, those emotions are so on the surface with little kids. Like yeah. they'll be super happy, super disappointed. Like it, it passes quickly. So I yeah, think as does. parents, we just have to remember it's not it's it's just one of many emotions that will happen yep. on Christmas Day. Um, 
Real quick before we take a break, um, Amanda mentioned that she has a little bit of guilt that her second child isn't getting all the big ticket uh, items that the first child got for Christmas. And I'm going to just go ahead and say, let that guilt go, girl, because yeah. the baby, none of, nope, they don't know that. So like her right. first got the little tykes car, like all the big things yeah. that you need when you have a first baby. So now the second baby is just getting normal Christmas presents and not the big ones, but the baby doesn't care. And the, the baby, baby doesn't, doesn't know. Care. And the big brother yeah. hasn't put it together yet. So it's all good. You just got that. That one, I think you can just really let it go. It all evens out. The baby will get spoiled in a different way than the big kid didn't. Yep. So it's all, it all evens yeah, out. Yeah, I feel like one, two, and three years old, maybe all the way up to four is when you can totally get away with buying like $5 toys. Yeah. Matchbox cars. What You can get away with spending nothing on Christmas. Yeah. And your kid's going to be thrilled. So and nobody's keeping it. score because that little tight car got, will get handed down to him and he'll probably end up with more of that stuff because yep. he has the cumulative effect of more, you know, more, more yep. toys in the family over time. So it's yep. sort of like you got to you got to assume it all evens out and let that's I'm going to just give you permission, Amanda, to let that guilt go. Yep. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so we're going to um, switch up our kind of topic here. And we got two different questions about holiday birthdays. Now, Megan, neither you nor I have Christmassy birthdays ourselves. And the closest kid in your family is what? Early December, right? 
Oh, and he's uh, December 6th. Okay, so not Which quite. Is kind of, it's not super holiday, but I will say it is pushing it in terms of planning a birthday party. Right. And also just like, I'm already thinking about the holidays. But yeah, that it's point. just the craziness. Yeah. Right. It's like I've already started budgeting for the holidays. Um, so, yes, it it's not I don't have like a kid with, a you know, Christmas Eve birthday or anything. Right. But it's still. Yeah. So, Brittany, we got this question in kind of two different ways, which was fun. But Brittany has a three year old and um, her birthday was a couple of days ago. So mid mid December and just wondering how to separate birthday from Christmas and how not to spoil her, but also make both special. And if you go to our Instagram on this comment thread, there were some really great um, other comments responding to her from other moms. And it was cute. And really what 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 the consensus was, was just simple little traditions that you do for any kid's birthday, like Mm -hmm. a balloon on the chair or Katie chimed in to say she decorates her um, daughter's door. And our Katie, actually, her daughter has a mid-December birthday as well. So sticking with the little simple family traditions that don't cost a lot of money, it's not like you're ignoring the fact that it's the middle of the Christmas season, but you're just, you know, you're wrapping the gifts in birthday paper and not Christmas paper. And like, I think, I think over time, don't you think that kids will feel that that is separate and different, but I think it's probably hardest on mom. It's just a really busy I, yeah. time of year. It is a busy time of year. And, and <clears throat> Owen's birthday is the cap to our birthday season. Right. Yes. We talked about that. September. Recently. There's four yeah. birthdays in September, October, November, and December. Um, and so one one thing I've done, I don't know if this is actually a strategy or if I, it was like just a survival mechanism at some point, but we've really downplayed birthdays as big gift giving events. Mm-hmm. They are um, cake and ice cream with the family. Probably average every other year you get a real party. Yeah. So, you know, one year it might be you have a couple friends spend the night. The next year you have a real party kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Um, and then it's like two or three gifts. Right. We don't spend more than a hundred bucks on a kid at, at their birthday and typically less. And often one of those gifts is something they needed, like needed anyway. Right. <laughs> like new shoes or something. Yeah. So having done that, it really kind of helps that no one feels like the, the kid with the closest birthday to Christmas doesn't feel like they got the shaft because right. everyone's birthday is kind of low. Yes. Key. I, I, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was going to say the same thing, whatever your philosophy is going to be around birthdays and Christmas really the December kid should be roughly the same. Now, having said that, I do feel like, like we talked about, the younger kids don't really notice. So if you need to kind of like put some of the Christmas toward the birthday to even things out or whatever, I don't think they really start to notice, but eventually they do. And I I think keeping birthdays a relatively low gift-giving threshold is a great strategy, especially if you have multiple kids. And there's lots of ways to make a birthday kid feel special that aren't just the loot and the, you know, the stuff to get, so... Um, yeah, we can, and we can link to our episode about, I know we, we've done an episode about that, right? Or birthdays? We just talk about, yeah. We've done an episode about everything. <laughs> You're right. We're done. We're this done. is our last episode. <laughs> Glad you got your done. questions in, guys. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah. And I will link also to the comment thread on Instagram because there were some some great ideas and they were all the simple, special little things. Decorating the child's door, you know, making sure that they got to pick the special dinner right. meal. It's all the things that aren't necessarily gift giving based. Exactly. And then just as from the adult perspective, you would have to budget differently in December, but you have to do that no matter when your kids' birthdays fall. You know, I have one kid with right. a January birthday, so then you have to make sure, 
oh, did, something did left? she get everything? <laughs> yeah, that's usually yeah. that's the challenge. Okay, so Jenny is a listener and she is turning 40. So this is why I wanted to make sure we address this question because happy birthday, Jenny. Happy um, birthday, Jenny. On January 2nd. And she said, every year I struggle with having a spirit of fun and festivities for my birthday after the holidays are done. And this year I'm turning 40. I'd love some advice for bringing a party spirit when everyone is done. It's even the first day back to school. Oof, that's tough. Yeah. So you just had your 40th. Um, yes, I did. My well, mom. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to well, say. I was just- <laughs> No, Sarah, you go ahead. Okay. My mom's birthday is December 29th, which is also right in the wind down. And um, I she has talked about how at certain times in her life, it was a crummier time to have a birthday than others. Now she actually really likes it because we tend to be together still. Right. Um, the You know, the craziness has calmed down and it's just sort of a quiet family oriented time of year. Now, January 2nd, I guess, gets just past that to where now really New Year's is done. And really, it is the beginning, the beginning of the new year. Yeah. So I think I would say, how important is it to you that you have some festive party on the second? Could it be combined with a New Year's Eve party? Mm. Um, Could you just declare New Year's Eve your holiday? Yeah. (laughs) Could you just to say that you're going to have a birthday week? And so everything doesn't have to happen. I've kind of had like a lot of fun over the last couple of years of just being like, no, this is my birthday week. Yeah. It's my birthday the whole week. Now, does that mean I walk around with a tiara on? No. Yes. And I still do the dishes and, you know, fold the laundry. It's not like that. It's more just like looking for little opportunities to celebrate my birthday. Right. And Sarah, you were here for my 40th. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And we did like three days. Yeah. But it wasn't like crazy go nuts the entire time. Yes. No, I, I agree. And I, I think also, so I have a, I have a holiday birthday in that it's Valentine's day. That's a little bit different. It's not during these Christmas holidays, but it is sometimes a day that gets like dominated in different ways. When I was growing up, it was dominated by kids stuff. Now it's dominated by my own kids stuff. So anytime I guess your birthday is falls in that category, I think it does just help to check in with yourself like a month before, like you said, and like, what do I want to do on my birthday? So, right. There's been some years where I want kind of a quiet, normal day, but like a fun, normal day. Like right. I want my favorite lunch. I want, you know, but I don't want a big party. If I'm turning 40 in a couple of years, I probably will want a big 40s, a big party. So, um, yeah, I would just say I, I do. I hear you, Jenny. It is kind of a tricky time of year. I like your idea, Megan, of just declaring it a week or declaring <laughs> declaring the the night that makes the most sense yeah pick a night that makes sense and just have that be like your party and and if it doesn't if it doesn't fall in the second maybe just choose it like some find a uh a quiet way to recognize it on the second and i will say even if everyone seems like they're quote unquote done because you know there is that sort of like deflated feeling after the holidays the people closest to you who want to celebrate you they will rally they will yes um And so and then the last thing I would say is if you plan something that's not on January 2nd, just make sure you have something in mind for your actual birthday. I had one birthday where like it was like that. I think we had celebrated over President's Day and it was like all the celebrations were done. And then I just had this weird feeling on my birthday like there was nothing special. Like it was all yeah. it at all. So so plan something. Take yourself. Out Here, to lunch here's another idea you could use if you're going to plan a trip or something. <clears throat> you could use the second your actual birthday as the day you book all the airfare. Oh, yes. Like you a know, treat so, yourself. Like um. Yeah, like so not maybe the day you actually do it, yeah. but the day that you make all the plans to do it, which is fun too. Yeah. Like just making those plans. So like just make sure you have something special to do, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the big event. You could just totally. be planning the big event on your birthday. And happy birthday, Jenny. Happy, happy birthday. 40th. 40 is great. 40 is great. 
Okay, so our last kind of big section um, is around relatives, those tricky people related to the holidays. <laughs> um, and and I think what it comes down to is our kids' behavior when we're in the presence of others. And that's like a whole episode yeah. in and of itself. But here's the first question. This can get us started. It came from Rebecca. She asked, how do you enforce your rules and expectations when traveling or at someone else's house or around cousins that may not behave in the same way? So that's a that's a really good question. Yeah. You want to start? Ooh, well, okay. So my my philosophy has always been if we're in my house, they're my house rules. Mm-hmm. So if you're in my house, you follow my house rules. Mm-hmm. If we're if my family is in someone else's house, my kids have to follow my house rules, regardless <laughs> of what everyone else is doing, unless I choose to defer them. Yeah. Which I often do. Sure. So, yeah, no, p- people aren't going to parent the same way as you. Right. And other people's kids aren't going to act the same way as yours. Right. And also my tolerance for other people's kids is always lower than my own, mostly mm-hmm. because I'm not used to the way they're annoying yet. Like, right. <laughs> I know how my kids are annoying and, and I know I can, can like, I can anticipate what they're going to do that's going to get under my skin. And I have the power to do right. something about it. And I don't have that power about other kids. So sometimes if you're like me and you're not a big lover of other people's kids, I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah. Um, it's really easy to get almost like unfairly judgy or annoyed by other people's kids mm-hmm. because you're not used to their particular brand of obnoxiousness mm-hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, so just, I guess those are two big caveats to, as to say, like, you can still absolutely enforce your rules and expectations. You may just feel, you might find that it's better or you're happier if you relax stuff a little yes. bit. Yes. And I would say, yeah, I totally agree. I think that was a, perfect answer. I'm not sure even I need to add much, but I would say when you're picking and choosing, I tend to stick, I I tend to stick more strictly to the rules and expectations that keep my kids happy and healthy. So like I will use the example of screen time. I have stricter screen time rules than most families. Um, And part of it is because I have one child who is really, really has behavioral issues when he does too much gaming, iPad. So me sticking to that rule and expectation isn't just about being a stickler or about like showing off that I have strict screen time rules. It's because if I relax that rule, it really has an effect on our whole family dynamic. Whereas sugar or bedtimes are things that I'm much more likely to let go or just go with like my kids go to bed early normally, but they're really pretty good at staying up late now. They didn't used to be. But so I would much more. I'd be much more likely to go with whatever the house rules are like, oh, your kids stay up later. Great. My my kids can hang um, because it's not going to come back and bite me in the same way. So I think yeah. um, just like we talked about earlier, picking and choosing which events you're going to mess with your schedule. I think just being a little bit strategic about it and sticking to some of them and letting others go and picking and choosing the ones that contribute back to your own happiness yeah, <laughs> and your no, own. I totally fam- agree. Yeah. So um But I do know that I don't my kids don't have same age cousins. And we did that episode about cousins recently. But I do imagine that especially with kind of behavior and discipline issues that that I'm sure that gets hard when when it's a whole gaggle of kids and there's just different expectations. You will, you know, there's 16, you know, kids in in my family. And so, yes. And especially when they were all little together or like a lot of them were little together. Um, I will also say, though, and I, I feel like I've said this before, I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot tonight, but um. Don't assume that anyone else at the party is picking up on what your rules are. Like you might think you're making it really obvious and the other parents are going to get on board and help you. Right. And they might not have any idea yeah. what's going on. They might not 
they might be so focused on their own kids. They might be so glad that their kids are being good and they're just getting a break. Like, yeah, whatever, whatever reason it is, they, they might just not know. So I have never found it to be an issue. Like if someone ever came to me, my kids have had pretty relaxed screen time rules for the most part. But if anyone ever came to me and they have many times, right. Armin just was just like, you know, I think it'd be best if the kids all shut off their whatever's by seven because my kids have a hard time winding down or my kids aren't allowed to watch this or play that. Right. I am happy to enforce that with my kids and right. and to not make it like, oh, well, you can't do that because your cousin can't, you know, right. there's ways to do it. Like, hey, guys, let's play a game. And I think sometimes it takes actually saying it in so many words uh -huh. to whoever the other adults at the party. Um, yeah. Otherwise, they might just not notice. Yeah. So don't assume that other p parents are like blowing you off or well, we tend not to... accepting your rules or whatever. Right. And we tend to be a little bit insecure about our own parenting and rules, especially when we're new. So we can assume that other people are really confident in theirs and they've thought it all through and they know what they're doing and we're right. the ones floundering. But really, everybody's floundering. So most people, I think, are pretty willing to work with you just like you said if you and i and sometimes it. it takes it takes being the the one who kind of spearheads it and uh -huh. you can do that in a super non-judgy way like you could walk in the room and say hey i was thinking you know everyone's playing cards let's say mm -hmm. and you walk in and say like hey i was thinking it'd be great for the kids to like put away the tablets and do something different or i think it's i would love for the kids to start getting settled into bed and of course a couple other parents are going to jump up and help you right and it's not a big deal right. like I, I, there's ways to say things in a way that's just kind of upbeat and chipper and not right. like why aren't they why are these kids still running around right and where everyone can get on board together right um yeah yeah so no i i totally agree um okay next question came from sam who asks, how do you tactfully tell the grandparents to rein it in with the gifts? Ooh. And I don't know that you do, really. No, I don't my either. short answer. But I've talked on this show before about having extremely generous gift-giving family members. That was a little stressful for me early in parenting. Um, and I will say it just got better with time because gifts get more expensive and there's more grandkids. So the yep. if it's a spoiling issue, it often kind of gets better with time. Another tactic, and this may sound a little callous, but if they're asking what you like, you can put higher dollar value items on your kid's wish list. And and I don't mean that to like get money out of somebody, but if if it's the type of grandparents who like to buy a lot of inexpensive toys just for the sheer quantity, I think you can gently steer them toward higher quality, which will eventually result in less quantity. Does that make sense? Like, yes, oh gosh, sure. you're so generous. We'd really love those magnetiles set for Christmas. We've had it on our list and they're kind of an investment. You know, we would be so grateful. And those are like $120 and they're not going to buy $120 worth of crappy plastic toys. Do you know what I mean? So that's yeah, another, no, um, totally. <laughs> without telling them to rein it in, it's more of like a redistribution of dollars toward yeah. high quality stuff if they're willing to accept those suggestions. So yeah, I, I think, okay, so this is a problem that has a shelf life yes, in most families, totally. like you were saying. <clears throat> and when you've got a new baby or a two-year-old or whenever it starts to get fun to buy them gifts, um, grandparents sometimes do go a little nuts, mm -hmm. but, but quickly the value of what they're getting out of the amount they have to spend to get yeah. <laughs> the reaction yeah. isn't like worth it. I mean, I think that, you know, when my kids were really, really little, like I think that the grandparents did love to just have a huge pile of gifts yeah. under the tree. And over time that did kind of go away. And some of that was maybe some gentle boundary setting, but honestly, I don't even think mostly it was that. I think mostly it was just waiting it out. Um, and, and that's not to say that you're at someone else's mercy 
But I think, especially when your kids are little, there's ways to deal with getting around that that don't have to mean having an awkward conversation. Yeah, with I don't think I don't think you, really you need to, to have the awkward conversation. Also, uh, um, most of my kids have opened gifts not in the presence of mm-hmm. gift giving relatives. But if you're if the grandparents are watching, if anyone's watched a one year old try to get through a whole day's worth of Christmas presents, it's often very clear very soon that they don't have the attention span. They're not able to appreciate it. Right. So it may become even apparent to the grandparent, like, oh, maybe oh, we should spread this, this out throughout the year or put yeah. some of these away for birthday because it's not it's not actually fun. They're not actually appreciating it. I mean, I, I want to give grandparents like the credit and the break they deserve. It's fun to buy when you have a new person in the family, it's super fun. I have a new niece. It's fun to buy. And so I think most of it comes from love. Um, And I 100% agree with you, Megan. I don't think it's like one awkward conversation. I think it's gentle boundaries and and just waiting it out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Waiting it out. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I think we have time for one more. Um, This one is a tough one. And this is about really tough family dynamics. So she said... um, There's a family member who feels it necessary to belittle her children and her parenting style to the point that her teenager doesn't even want to go be around them anymore. So I think this is this is tough. Um, And I'm I'm wondering, especially with teenagers, Megan, I'm not saying you have this situation where there's a very rude family member, but you do have teenagers. And it is an interesting position to be in where your older kids have an opinion about yeah where they spend the holidays which relatives they feel closer to or don't so that is something that's that's challenging yeah it is it is really challenging I will say um this is something that surprised me I I when my sister's kids were all older than mine so by the time well except for Quinn so my my sister had three and Cecily the youngest of her first three group of three is a year older than Jacob then Mm -hmm. I had several and then Owen and Quinn, her fourth, are within the year. Like, I think they're like mm-hmm. seven months apart. So anyway, so there was a, a a bunch of kids that were much older than mine. And I remember her giving her kids a lot of um, autonomy over where they went mm-hmm. and when they were teenagers and thinking, well, that's weird. I'll just tell my kid what they have to do. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now I'm kind of realizing, yeah. you know, no one wins right. when you try to bring a surly teenager yeah. to something they don't want to be at. Um, I think the way that I would probably handle something like that is to honestly just avoid the sister-in-law as much as possible. So that yeah. might be coming, you know, with the 16-year-old or without for an hour, mm-hmm. saying hello, putting in the, you know, like kind of showing up and and showing your face, I yeah. guess. And Doing then going the home and spending duty. the time with your 16-year-old, who mm-hmm. is the priority in yeah. the situation. Um, I know that's easier said than done, especially yeah. if this is a longstanding tradition and it's something yeah. that everybody does every year. But you don't have to be a part of that. Like you don't have to expose yourself to that. And you don't. Yeah, you don't have you to don't have somebody have to who belittles you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So to me, that's pretty. I mean, it's not simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Mm-hmm. It's simple in that the 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 priority is your 16 year old and your relationship with. Um, she doesn't say whether it's a boy or a girl. Your relationship with your teenager mm-hmm. is priority number one. Your well-being is priority, mm-hmm. you know, also one one A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and what everyone else wants you to do is like priority 15,000. Yeah. So figure out what you have to do to make sure those top two priorities are met mm-hmm. and maybe still make it a little easier on yourself by showing up for a little bit. Yeah. But I wouldn't feel any obligation to that at all. 
Yeah. You know, a long time ago, we did an episode about dealing with criticism um, and I can I can link that up. But I remember that one thing that we both discussed was how helpful it is to have a kind of buddy or an ally in any kind of like a hostile mm-hmm. family situation. So whether it's your spouse or partner, if they happen to be on your side or another family member who just sees what you see. And unfortunately, there are these situations where someone's extra critical and bitter and they have their own, you know what going on. And um, but if there is an ally and not not just so you can vent about it later, but somebody who um sees what you see and you know can meet yeah. your eyes across the room and be like you know I've got you're your back wrong. like you're yeah. not you know like hold your ground right. so hopefully you have I mean hopefully this listener has that and then I'm with you just limit limit the exposure to that toxicness and you know fill the rest of your holiday time with people who make you feel good yep absolutely so okay I think this is a good place to wrap up but we did take on a lot not every single one but a lot of our we had a lot of questions today so good for us big pat on the back and we're doing this again soon right yeah we're gonna take more listener questions next week and they will not be holiday related because all of this will be behind us can you even believe that the next time that yeah we have an episode out like all it'll be over yeah, it will so actually there is still time though um because we haven't recorded that one yet so if you have regular old parenting questions and we won't probably go through as many but um if you've been listening for a while we do these episodes fairly often and i do have room for a couple more questions so you just email those to hello at the momhour.com send us your questions if we don't take them this next time um i always keep those and go back to them later so um i think we're going to link to a few different episodes at the momhour.com so look for this episode 134 and look for the show notes and we'll link those up um and we also have all of our holiday episodes linked up on one single page including some other ones like this so you can binge out on holiday mom hour this week as you get ready for the holiday sounds like a way to ring in yes ring in the holiday (laughs) so merry christmas you guys if you celebrate christmas and um happy holidays we'll see you on the other side Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com.